Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Logan Paulson, he's not a beat reporter. He's a podcast host. I know because he does it. He does it with me. What's up, buddy? Live on the show. Live on the show. It feels weird because I feel like I'm always recording on the show. You know what I mean? So live is a little more pressure. I feel like. Yeah, uh, definitely can't slip up and swear. We can't bleep you here, uh, which sometimes <laughs> happens on the podcast. So let's just remember that. How yep. often do you drive around and then uh, and then just hear yourself on the show and get very confused? You know what? My in my car, my radio doesn't work, so I don't listen to that much talk radio, unfortunately. Mm. But um, mm. that used to happen more when my radio in my car did work. So you know, there's that. That tends to tends to be how that goes. You know, when the radio works, you can hear Correct. the radio. When when that's not, right. it, not you can't. Hear uh, it. That's the Funny kind of story. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of analysis people get from me, which is why we have you on to get better analysis. All right, let's talk. Let's talk about the breaking news first. Matsko let go. Um, yeah. The timing of this is super funky. They had uh, obviously a ton of meetings with O linemen at the combine. He was apparently leading those meetings. They signed two right. O linemen on the first day of free agency, and on the second day of free agency, he's gone. What do you make of it? You know, <clears throat> I don't know. I, th- I think this is something that m- maybe's been on the wall for a little bit. The writing's been on the wall a little bit. I know people have been very high on Matt Scott. And I think they should be very high on Matt Scott because of all the wonderful things he did in terms of kind of finding interchangeable pieces for the offensive line. But I do feel like there's something very traditional about the scheme that he runs. And I think that that's something that probably needs to evolve a little bit, you know, um, especially when you've got a whole bunch of young guys that need to be developed and need to come along in Chris Paul and Sam Cosme. I've talked to other people that have played for him and they said he's an excellent coach to play for if you're a veteran. But if you are a young guy, like you, sometimes you need a little bit more um, of a developmental hand. So I think there's probably multifactorial things going on here. Like, I think Matt Scott does a great job. He's always been very kind to me. So I don't want to think anyone, you know, that I'm talking bad about him. But I do think there were some things schematically and philosophically that maybe needed to change. And, um, you know, I think Ron decided to make that change. Yeah. How much of this to you signals that, like, wow, Biennemi has a lot of power here? Because to me, that it's it's pretty interesting that a guy who's been with Ron for a long time in a year where Ron, you would think, would grip control and try to have comfort. And Ron's just kind of like, yeah, EB, whatever you, whatever you want, man. Well, I would say, yeah, but I do think that this has been something that, um, you know, has kind of been at least on my mind for a while. So I think that, that you know, like that, um, I don't know, I can't speak for Ron, obviously, but I do think that you know, coming out of last season, there were talks that maybe they were going to move on from certain position groups. And, you know, like 
when you're evaluating that room and that group. I think that name came up once or twice. But, um, you know, you always say, well, like Ron's loyal to his guys. And I think this shows a lot of growth by Ron. And the fact that it was being talked about really early in the offseason, I think, is um, maybe indicative of, um, you know, Ron's perspective on it. But again, it's something that I think probably was maybe finalized by EB, but it was definitely something that I think was being thought and talked about earlier in the offseason. Um, you know, did I ever think anything was going to come of it? No, but here we are, and, and the decision's been made. All right, last thing on Matsko real quick. Who replaces him? You know, Juan Castillo is is on staff. He coached O-line under Andy Reid for a long time. Javel Wharton was the assistant there, longtime NFL guard, obviously. Uh, do you think that they go in-house with one of those two, or do you think that there's time and, and candidates available at this point in the coaching cycle to still go outside? It just seems very challenging, you know, if you're thinking EB had a lot to say in this. Maybe EB's got a guy that he likes that he's got his eyes set on, and they can get that guy in here sooner rather than later. But I do think a guy like Travell Wharton, who you mentioned, um, Matt Scott leading the interviews at the Combine, he was in all those interviews. He was at the Senior Bowl coaching. So he's had a lot of access to these uh, prospects, and a lot of familiarity, familiarity with where the team's at in terms of this offseason process. So I do think... Um, I do think that he's a guy that I would kind of lean towards. You know, I think he's very personal. I think the guys like him. Um, he's got the experience. He's got the credit. And, um, you know, he's been around the league for a long time. So I think that's a guy that I would eye. You know, you mentioned Juan Casillo. Obviously, I think that's a very, you know, interesting candidate because he has coached offensive line before specifically. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, I would probably lean Travell just because, like, I know him. I've talked to him. I think he's a very bright dude. Um, but if EB's got someone lined up, then I think they should go that way. You know, it just it's, yeah. it's kind of late in the offseason. It seems like uh, maybe kind of tough to get that done. All right. Logan Paulson's with us, of course, co-host with me of the Take Command podcast, which you can check out anywhere. We'll have a new episode going deeper on a lot of this stuff tomorrow. But Andrew Wiley, uh, let's start with him in terms of the acquisitions that Washington has made. Uh, Kime reports that he's going to play right tackle. He's played some guard, which means we finally also have clarity on the Cosme situation. Uh, what do you make of that signing, getting a guy that obviously EB is very familiar with? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you turn on the tape, it's a guy that you can tell played a lot of guard. He strikes me as a guard. Um, I think he did a fine job playing tackle. I think he would be elevated playing guard. However, I do think that one of the benefits of bringing a guy like that in is that EB does know him. So when you watch, you know, the playoff run, when you watch games early in the season, you understand and I think you see how EB can best protect him and best put him in the best positions to be successful. You know, later in the year, they got to a lot of kind of chip help, a lot of play action pass, a lot of RPO stuff where um, he could, Wiley could kind of adjust his sets, you know, utilize some of the stuff at his disposal. And I think you saw him evolve. Now, um, he can drop back pass protect. He did an excellent job against Hassan Reddick in the Super Bowl, but it's not like you're asking him to do that 20 times a game. It's like he's doing it five times a game and he can win you five one-on-ones after kind of showing the pass rusher chips, play action, quick game, screens, all these different things to kind of throw the pass rusher off their rush. And then Wiley, I think is, I, I really enjoy watching him in the run game. I think he's, you know, kind of sneaky athletic and twitched up. So I always love seeing that in offensive linemen. Um, you know, it's like Kyle reported, he's playing tackle. Um, again, I get a lot of guard vibe from him, but I do think it's important that the enemy has this relationship with him and knows how to best elevate his talent. How much more can they do this year with Wiley Cosme on the right side than what they had last year? Obviously Cosme was a part of that at times, but, uh, you know, Trey Turner, uh, for instance, at guard for a lot of the year, not the most mobile fellow. 
Yeah, absolutely. Not the most mobile fella. And I think when you look at Cosme, who's one of the most athletic offensive linemen in the last 10 years coming out of the combine in terms of RAS score, raw athletic score, um, and you look at what Wiley does and how he moves, especially in the run game, I think that opens you up to some different run schemes. You know, I think a lot of people think you want big offensive linemen to run the football. It's been my experience that you want kind of small, more athletic guys who can get to the second level, cover guys up, bend their pads, get behind their pads, uh, be knee benders, not waist benders, and dig guys out, dig three techniques out. And you have two guys who are very comparable build, very similar athletic profiles. I think Cosme is a little bit more athletic, obviously, but I think that lends itself to this philosophy of run first, right? And kind of leaning on the play action pass game, leaning on the RPO game to insulate your, uh, your passing attack. So I do think all of that stuff that Ron was kind of alluding to this offseason seems to be coming for, to fruition with this move here. Now, do, do I think this precludes them from drafting an offensive tackle? No. Um, I do think that, um, you know, if you needed to, like I would, like, if I was in a perfect world right now, I would probably say Leno starts at left, Wiley starts at left guard. Um, you have a center come in, you draft a center, and then you have Cosme at right guard and you draft a right tackle. Like to me, that would be an absolutely stellar offensive line with a ton of high upside and guys you feel really, really confident in. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. But I do think that you do have the flexibility with Wiley having played guard to do something like that. And I think that looks pretty formidable. Now, um, you know, obviously they got to kind of work out the left guard spot, Norwell, Chris Paul, whoever that's going to be. I don't hate either one of those guys, just it's not maybe ideal. And I think in terms of what it allows them to do, allows them to run the football a little bit better, allows them to be a little bit more dynamic in terms of the screen game. All those things that we've talked about on our podcast, I think become more reticent for them. Yeah, definitely. I just think it's so interesting too, though. They use a second round pick on Cosme and to, yeah. to have, and that was this regime, right? It was, yeah. I mean, it was Rivera. Uh, maybe, wait, was he 2020? So Kyle was still yeah. here at that point. So it wasn't necessarily Mayhew, but like Rivera and Matsko and like th- those guys were all in place. The coaches, the guys who have been just making that decision for a while have been in place. And the fact that they used a second round pick and they didn't seem to have a clear plan for the guy uh, and he's kind of floated back and forth. Uh, I just think it's it's super interesting now that they finally have the flexibility, and they're like, all right, we have a guy who can also play guard. Let's put Sam Cosme at guard. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think one of the things is, you know, if you're looking at reasons maybe why Matsko was fired, because, again, I think Matsko is a very bright dude. I think he did a lot of great stuff, um, is the development of Sam Cosme. I think, and that's not entirely on Matsko. I think that's on Sam as well. So I don't want to be placing blame here on Matsko because, again, I think he's a very bright dude who did a lot of great things while he was here. But, um, you know, in terms of Sam's development and what what he was going to be and where his identity was, I think, you know, unfortunately that falls on Matsko to a certain extent. And I think um, that might be one of the reasons why they move on. So I think, you know, when you watch Cosme's tape, you say he's a plus athlete. Usually those plus athletes can kind of survive at tackle. Um, you know, even if they don't have the most ideal arm length, like Cosme's arms are 32 inches long. Uh, but I always, even guys, when I was talking to my buddies around the league, my other offensive line coach buddies, they were always like, man, I think he's going to be a great guard. He's going to be an elite guard. And it's because he's got the movement skills, he's got the strength. And so I think, you know, they needed a tackle badly in that draft because they just let Morgan Moses go. And so you kind of say, well, even though we think this guy's better positioned at guard, he's, you know, let's, let's give him a shot at tackle. I think he did fine there when he did play there. But again, like it, it was, in my opinion, he never had the physical kind of frame to get that done. And so I think this is kind of a natural transition for him and probably ultimately the right one for him. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Logan Paulson with us here live on the Hoffman Show. Okay, uh, Nick Gates is the next guy. who I guess he was signed even before Wiley. What have you seen from him, and where does he fit in this offensive line rotation? Yeah, to me, he feels like your Wes Schweitzer replacement. You know, the guy that knows center, that plays guard. He has played tackle his rookie year. He played a little bit of tackle for the New York Giants. So um, he's not the most athletic dude, not the longest dude of all time, but he understands angles. He understands where to be. They pull him. He does pretty well in space, considering he ran like a 5-5-40 at the combine. So, or at his pro day, I forget which. But, you know, kind of a sub-athlete with some extra, extra nasty, spicy grit to him, which, you know, I love Craig. And it gets me fired up that they got a guy like that in the building. Really, it's... It feels like a one-to-one replacement for West because that's kind of the same guy West was. I think he's not yeah. as twitched up as West, but I think he's got a little bit better feel in pass protection situations, and I think that is very, very valuable because you know I think that's one of the big criticisms of West in that signing was that he wasn't a true pass protector, and I think um, you know Gates is a little bit more well-rounded in that area. You know, I think you lose a little bit of the true physicality West brings, which is. You know, being six four and three hundred forty pounds, like you can be a nasty dude. Uh, but I think, yeah, but I think Nick brings us some toughness, brings some grit, brings an understanding, and brings some flexibility that I think is a very solid hire. Now, the injury history is a little bit concerning, but I do think that ultimately uh, he's a guy you feel very good about. All right, uh, the linebacker they signed, uh, Cody Barton. What's what's his story, both in terms of who he is as a player and and where he fits in a rotation. Yeah, so Cody was a guy that they drafted pretty high. I think with the 88th pick a couple of years ago, 2019 maybe, 2018, not exactly sure. But obviously playing behind Bobby Wagner. And Bobby Wagner is, you know, the Jesus of linebackers at the moment. You know, he's a very <laughs> good football player. And, uh, you know, you're not going to beat that guy out. And so obviously when they traded Bobby, he moved into a larger role within the defense. And you could tell that he hadn't played football for a while. And I think the thing when you watch his film that sticks out to you is that each week, he gets a little bit better because he's been playing more football. So he's a guy that maybe doesn't have the highest PFF grade, but I do think the best football is ahead of him. He's one of these guys that could just be, you know, I'm not saying he will be this, but he could be a guy that is kind of like uh, you strike gold a little bit, you know, because he's been sitting for a while. He hasn't played a ton because near the end of the year, he started playing really, really solid football. You see a nice snap to him in terms of how he defeats blocks, very instinctive run player, a guy that's okay in coverage when compared to Cole Holcomb. But a guy that, you know, did call, he was the Mike linebacker for them for a couple times calling with the green dot on his helmet. So I think he brings a lot of kind of high upside and special teams value if it doesn't pan out. I haven't seen the contract yet, which kind of speaks to what they think about him. But I do think that he's a guy that after watching him, I think is a is more of a high upside selection as opposed to anything else. Uh, so Barton's a one-year deal, three point yeah. five uh, on the cap this year, uh, two point five salary, one million dollars signing bonus, uh, and he was the 80th pick in the 2019 draft. So 19. uh, still pretty young guy. He's only 26. 
Do, that's an interesting thing, though, if he was playing Mike for them, because it seems like they really are like, okay, Jamin finally actually grew into the Mike that we wanted him to be. Uh, do you think that Jamin stays at Mike, or do they bounce Jamin back to Will? Or is this the kind of thing you play with in camp and then ultimately make a decision uh, by the time the season starts? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think, like we've talked about on our show, I think Jamin was on a very nice trajectory. You know, I think everyone kind of, you know, crit- nationally criticizes him as the 19th pick, but when you look at the linebackers from that class, quite frankly, he might be the best one now, you know, outside of Michael Parsons, obviously everyone calm down. Yeah. So Parsons, you know, outside, Parsons in his own category. Yeah. So outside of Michael Parsons, which is wild to say after his rookie season. So I think he's probably your best linebacker, find a way to get him on the field. And if, you know, Barton plays Mike and, you know, Jamin plays Will, and then they kind of cycle back and forth, like depending on down and distance, depending on personnel, maybe I also think a guy to keep an eye on is Khalid Hudson. I, I know for a fact, they were very, very pleased with him. You know, in the last game of the season, they saw a guy and they saw his tremendous athleticism. They saw his tremendous upside snap instincts, all those types of things which he hadn't shown yet. So I do think that this is a kind of all of a sudden a very interesting, very compelling group of guys with a lot of high upside at the position, which is always good to have. And I I don't think this precludes you from drafting a guy. You know, Um, obviously there's many, there's not a lot in this year's clap, but there's probably five or six that could maybe fit this team and what they need. So Keep an eye out for that, but I, I do like this move, and I think you know if he's on a prove it deal for you know what did you say three and a half million dollars? Like I'm yeah. okay with that, and if he oh, plays yeah. better than that, great, you know. Cool. Uh, we'll have a discussion about how much they resign him for next year, uh, <laughs> or they could always extend him in the middle of the year if he's playing awesome. Right. Uh, right. So tomorrow on the pod, I want to talk about how this all now sets them up in the draft. So we'll get to all that tomorrow, sure. kind of re- restock the deck. But last thing for you here before we let you go, is Heineke. He signs in Atlanta. Um, the money he gets is pretty solid. Uh, he's It's basically a one-year, $7 million deal. Two for 20 is like the high-end agent number. Uh, mm-hmm. But one practically, it's one, one for seven. Uh, mm-hmm. What do you make of the deal and of Washington letting him walk at that number? I mean, I think that's kind of what we thought he was going to get, you know, a year, seven million with some upside in the contract. And I think he deserves it, man. I think, you know, like I talk about being happy for guys and guys you got a lot of respect for. I mentioned my respect for Matt Scow. I got a ton of respect for Heineke and his story and the adversity that he's faced in his career. So for me, like when I see that number, I'm ecstatic because, I mean, that's what this is all about. It's about guys following their dream, chasing their dream. <clears throat> and making things happen for themselves and talk about a guy who made it all happen for himself. You know, his story is well documented, like sleeping on his sister's couch in Atlanta. You know, he trains in Atlanta, his family's in Atlanta. So man, yeah. I, I think that's just a fantastic story. And, you know, you know, $7 million, I think it's going to be hard to find a backup who's going to be cheaper than that of the guys remaining, which we can talk about on the podcast later. But um, yeah, I think that's, that's a great move for him. And, you know, in terms of the team and what they want to do, like that was their call and I respect it. Um, he's a good football player, but I think he's in a better situation for himself. If I'm being totally honest. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it's a great situation and I think it is, I, I don't know. I think that there, there could be some guys that they can be a little less and you know, with where they are, did they sure. really want to spend 7 million on a backup quarterback? Uh, clearly not. And so 
you know, sometimes sometimes things can be good for multiple parties. And right. um, I tend to think that that's, that's where we are. All right, so tomorrow on the podcast, Logan and I will get into the, I mean, who knows, but by the time we record tomorrow, this could be a moot conversation because they might have their guy. Uh, so if that happens, we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> other than that, we will obviously talk about where they go for the rest of free agency. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other moves. Like we'll talk about the Waller trade and how the rest of the division is shaping up, some of the ins and outs. Uh, Rashad Penny to Philadelphia. So some interesting stuff in the NFC East. We'll do all that on Take Command tomorrow and then play a little snippet of that for you here on the radio. Of course, you can subscribe to Take Command wherever you get your podcasts. All right, man, you got, sounds like you got kids, dogs, you got all kinds yeah, of stuff happening stuff behind you. On, so I'm going to let you go here. tend to your house before, before something busts through that door behind you. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Craig.